0: What's up, everybody? Grady show on dirt. Coming to you live from the B Studios. This is Quentin. What's going on, everybody? Happy, happy Monday. Today is Monday, March 4th, and <laughs> I'm glad it's March because, like, when I do social media stuff, I always have to Google search, like, how many days until March 28th, but now, dudes, baseball starts this month, and the math has never been simpler because opening day is the 28th. So with today being the 4th, that is 28th. 27, 26, 25, 24 days. I'm super pumped, man. This is amazing, dude. And I know it's Monday, but you guys, hey, hang tough. Hang tough at work today. But I'm going to give you, um, this will be the first segment of the day, what we call the tip du jour, which du jour is French for of the day. So your tip of the day is this. Let's say you want to leave work a little early and maybe you got about three or four friends that you work with. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you pull the fire alarm, a false fire alarm, it carries a $1,000 fine. I Googled it once. I Googled it once and you can pull the fire alarm and it's a $1,000 fine. So if you guys want to get off of work early, you're listening right now. Because at this podcast, we're very data-driven, and the data says if you split a $1,000 fine four ways, that's $250 a piece for a free day off of work, you know? And if you start your own little fire in the office, the sprinklers might go off, and that might get you two days off of work, and to me, I think that proves completely invaluable because... I'm a huge advocate of a four-day work week, like as everybody should be, so think about it. Pull the fire alarm. It'll be a sudden rush of adrenaline and maybe a night's stay in your local jail, but hey, I think it could be great. Give her a little pull, kid. Um, Either way, okay, let's get to some baseball, man. Before we get there, though, listen, I want to start off with, well— Actually, this is baseball-related, what I'm about to start off with, because baseball's coming up. We're going to start going to major league games, minor league games, and all these games, dude. And listen, so last week, the Charlotte Hornets, because I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Charlotte Hornets, they were giving away fanny packs as part of 90s night. And I told myself, holy shit, I want a fanny pack so bad. Like, I would love to have a fanny pack. My first thought is... Oh my gosh, that would be so handy to have a fanny pack because I'm the type of guy like I love, I love to just take stuff with me, but I hate having a lot of stuff in my pockets. And cargo pants and Jinko jeans, you know, they're no longer in style anymore. So until those things come full circle, I'm like all on board with like a fanny pack right now, right? Like when I was a kid, right, my dad Builds houses, right? So when I was a kid, I would take his tool belt and I would go across the street to my grandma's because that's where she lived. And I would go to her house because my mom wouldn't let me do this. I would take all the knives out of my grandma's drawer in the kitchen, butter knives, steak knives, and I would just load them in the tool belt and run around the house with them. And from that age, I've always loved to wear a belt and just put stuff in it any way I could. You know, I'm a I'm a full-on pack rat. I love the security of having things that I can take with me. You know, like, I'm kind of like the kid on Charlie Brown, and he's he's always got a blanket with him, you know? But instead of having a blanket, you know, I have an assortment of butter knives and steak knives, you know? So if you want, you know, my world-famous butter-sugar sandwich, and no, I've never been to prison, but you can put butter and sugar on a piece of bread And put it in the microwave for 10 seconds. And it's phenomenal. No jail time required. Um, You know, that's what I want. So if you're hanging out with me when I was a kid, I'll make you my butter sugar sandwich. Or I could stab a kid if he's not sharing the monkey bars. I'm your huckleberry. I think it's great to have all this stuff with you. That's why I like it, dude. And a fanny pack. Dude, it's so lavish. And when a fanny pack comes to like going to a baseball game, a fanny pack has all of these zippers and holders, and you can custom fit it around your waist. I plan on gaining at least 20 pounds this baseball season. I go and watch the Canapolis Intimidators. They're close by to my house. And they're the single-A team for the Chicago White Sox. And they sell the best hot dogs and the best corn dogs. And they're not expensive ballpark prices. You could get a hot dog and a corn dog for like $4. So that's basically... Like, I'm buying hot dogs and corn dogs like in doggy years, right? So I'm spending the amount that you would buy like one corn dog at a real-life baseball game. But I'm getting seven of them in return, so I'm looking to get a little husky this year. And a fanny pack can stretch around my fat waist, but it can also house all the stuff that I have. And I don't have to worry about my debit card sliding out of my pocket when I'm sitting down for the game. It's zippers upon zippers. You know what I do? love to bring candy with me everywhere I go. Um, I like to bring my little notebook with me so I can take notes because I have a baseball podcast. But I also always love to have quarters in my pocket. Quarters fall out of your pocket. I could put my quarters in my fanny pack. That way when I'm at the grocery store and you get the little quarter machines that sell like the little baseball helmets or maybe like press-on tattoos or bouncy balls, I always have quarters to buy bouncy balls and tattoos and the little baseball helmets. They're phenomenal, dude. But also, you know, because of my baseball, because of my in-season baseball diet, I always need to have Nexium with me because, you know, I, I get a lot of acid reflux and I keep a diet that's against my doctor's wishes. I don't really care what his PhD says um is it a player hater degree because i'm getting two corn dogs and two hot dogs so get off of me you know plus maybe i want like a little pocket knife in there you know a butterfly knife like technically charlotte north carolina is on the border so i live across the state line at south carolina you can buy butterfly knives in south carolina you can buy fireworks where your kids go to school at you can buy a backpack flamethrower off of Amazon. I kid you not. It's for burning crops. I could literally buy a flamethrower now and get it shipped to my house. And the feds aren't coming for me, kid. This is crazy. South Carolina is like that, though. It's a state. South Carolina is basically like the tombstone of modern-day United States. You know, the movie Tombstone. It's like the greatest ever. But fanny packs are where it's at, man. I'm going to order a fanny pack. Um, I'm going to order like a champion fanny pack. And I'm pretty stoked about it, dude. So that's... um. Get your fanny pack on this year. Wear them to your baseball games. People aren't gonna make fun of you, because. And I didn't know this, but a fanny pack is like legit in style and super super handy. So you're welcome. But um, okay. All right. Let's get to. Wow. If you guys made it through that seven minutes and thirty seconds, you guys deserve a award. You know, and a award. You know, I don't have anything to give you, but you know, hopefully your day goes good, man. It's Monday, dude. Power on, man. Okay. Bryce Harper finally signed, dude. And thank goodness, first and foremost, because um, I've been talking about Bryce Harper on this podcast for so long, and it's good to know that he finally signed. Like, Bryce Harper signing, it sort of seemed like one of those things that would never truly happen. Like, I began to think that Bryce Harper signing was aliens landing on Earth, and You know, like, that's a huge universe out there, so you're kind of sort of like, there has to be something else out there, but I don't really think aliens are ever going to come and abduct anyone. It's just not going to happen, and because Bryce Harper's free agency went for so long, I was kind of sort of like, you know, like, I'm at work eight hours a day, and I was, like, refreshing MLB.com, Twitter, Google, like, whatever, probably... 30 times an hour. You know, I wasn't getting a whole lot of work done. Now that Bryce Harper signed, I'm going to need a new distraction at work because I'm not interested in getting any work done. And so that that's going to be an adjustment on my end, but let's go over this thing, man. I want to kind of talk about, you know, this Bryce Harper signing, what it means, what it's like, maybe sort of dig in to try to figure out like why he did What he did, to some people, him signing in Philadelphia was a huge surprise because of the late additions of Los Angeles and San Francisco. And that that was like that with me, too. You know, I had predicted that if he went to Philly, that it would take $400 and that I thought he was probably going to go out west to L.A. And I was wrong, just like I am like nine out of ten times. So that's fun. And, you know, just to sort of go over those things. So to some people, Philly was a surprise, sort of including myself. To some people, Philly was never a surprise. You know, you had baseball writers like Bob Nightingale. They were pretty much from the get-go, like, Philly's going to get him because Philly has the most money to spend. You know, they're an underspent big market team that's been through a rebuild. And, you know, John Middleton is a great owner who's not shy about spending money. And I think that was a lot of the reason why Bryce went there, which we'll get into Um, but you know, you can for sure tell that, um, I guess the first thing I want to say is a lot of people really didn't care too much for the Bryce Harper drama. I had, I would post a pretty decent amount just on, you know, what was going on. In the Bryce Harper negotiations, offer opinions and stuff like that. And it was a pretty common response for people on social media to be like, I don't really care. Just let's play baseball. Like, I wish he'd sign somewhere. I don't care if he ever signs. He wants a ton of money, whatever. People weren't really too receptive to Bryce Harper doing that, to just going through the Bryce Harper process. and. I feel like that's kind of how you can tell that Bryce Harper is baseball's only true superstar. You know, because sometimes like, you would swear that nobody really likes LeBron James, but yet he's undeniably the most famous basketball player there is. And Bryce Harper sort of liked that, you know? All of my social media posts were pretty much like, who cares? Let's play baseball. Like, there weren't a lot of fans, I guess, non Philly fans or non Bryce Harper fans that and I don't mean not fans in the sense of like people that hated Bryce Harper, but like for example, I'm not a fan of Craig Kimbrell, right? Craig Kimbrell's never played for my team. Like I'm not a fan of his, but I don't hate Craig Kimbrell. He's just never played for one of my teams and my team's not in the running for him. So like I really don't care about Craig Kimbrell. But I don't really find it necessary or a good use of my time to say, oh, I wish Craig Kimball would really sign. Like, he's such an idiot with his Amish beard and his his funny pitching stance. Like, I, I just don't care. I respect the guy's situation in the sense that, you know, this could be the last time he signs a big free agent deal. And what I'm saying goes for Bryce Harper as well. Any professional athlete but in this case baseball athletes because they seem to get the most guaranteed money in the longest deals is you know you have to respect that you it's just like our normal jobs as well you know we all work for really rich employers and you know we want what's rightly ours now granted I might only want to be paid a hundred thousand dollars a year but Bryce Harper's looking to get paid you know 25 million dollars a year because his employer makes like 12 something billion dollars a year so it's just on a different level but it is relative you know is it hard to relate to someone that's going to make 25 dollars and 25 million dollars a year yeah that's for sure but to me it seemed pretty overwhelming that fans don't really have a lot of empathy or you know don't really care to understand like what was going on with Bryce Harper but you know I'm um I wasn't—you know, the process of Bryce Harper trying to sign, I wanted him to sign just because I wanted to see where he went. And I didn't really, like, get, like, pissed or fussy about, like, oh, I wish he would just really sign, you know, where a lot of people did. And what I'm trying to say is this. I understand where those people were coming from and those sorts of opinions— where people are really sick and don't really have a lot of empathy for baseball players finding their way through free agency, it just goes to show you that previous work stoppages, like the strike in 1994, has really affected the way fans look at Major League Baseball, and which is a which is my main reason for always saying that I don't think baseball could ever handle another strike, and with the collective bargaining agreement. Coming up at the end of the 2021 season and player relations and owner relations looking like a relationship off of, you know, like a soap opera or like an MTV VH1 reality show. You know, there's a lot of bad blood there. And that's why I've always said, I think no matter what happens, that these sides need to make something work and what's likely going to have to happen is owners are going to have to make more concessions to the players because this thing doesn't happen without the players and baseball at some point, if it doesn't watch out and there's a strike come 2021, you have to be careful that baseball doesn't turn into boxing, which was this one time super popular sport with great heavyweights. And now boxing's just like this weird thing. And I'll have to link it on social media at some point, but Gary Vaynerchuk had an interview with Alex Rodriguez, and Gary Vaynerchuk talked about how the economics of boxing got really shitty, and there was a lot of greed involved in the sport, and it sort of made it irrelevant because the main focus in boxing wasn't on the fan base, but it was sort of on the business side of it, in the rich people that were in charge of it just wanting more and more money year-over-year profits, and that's what baseball has to be very careful of. And I think that shows in fans' reactions when they're very unempathetic of players taking forever to sign and just saying, oh my God, I'd be happy with $1 million a year, just hurry up and sign and quit griping. And that just goes to show how detrimental a Major League Baseball strike would be. Um, My next segment here, we'll talk about which, and this is one of the questions that, you know, I've kind of seen a lot is that if Bryce Harper was always going to sign with the Phillies, and as soon as day one of the offseason hit, the Phillies were the favorite. So if it was always meant to be Philly, then why did it take so long to Bryce Harper to become a Philadelphia Philly? It was like 162 days of free agency, when on day one of free agency, it was pretty certain. That Bryce Harper was going to be a Philly. I would say, for one, Major League Baseball teams are doing much more due diligence than they did in the past. You know, a huge concern is not signing, you know, an Albert Pujols and having that whole thing go on forever. Albert Pujols signed a 10 year, $240 million contract, and he's been pretty useless and will continue to be the whole time in Los Angeles. And, I don't know exactly how quick he signed in the offseason, but it's a safe bet. There, there wasn't a whole lot of due diligence done on that end because I think you could pretty much see that Albert Pujols was a pretty heavy guy, that the decline was going to start. And I'd say the St. Louis Cardinals saw it. And if you think about it at that time, because of what you know everybody was used to, I thought it especially that it was a pretty ballsy move because I think Albert Pujols left the Cardinals in either the year after they won a World Series or the year after they went to a World Series. And with a guy being such a big name, historically one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time, 600 home runs, 3,000 hit guys, it's a pretty ballsy move to let him walk, you know, not move on him, because you factor in your fan base and you've got this beloved player and you're like, oh, damn, you know. But I figure St. Louis probably had to know something with it and kind of, you know, sort of what he was – was worth and there couldn't have been a whole lot of research done you know with Albert Pujols so seeing how a lot of these long-term contracts and most long-term contracts they don't work out so the name of the game is a smarter financial decision you know besides and what I can think of off the top of my head is you know you've got the Albert Pujols contract you've got the Miguel Cabrera contract you know Detroit's going to try to rebuild they're going to have him longer than what they want and I mean, he he's going to start to slow down. He's been injured a lot more lately. Yohannes Cespedes with the Mets. He makes a huge average annual salary, and that thing's not working too good. The Cincinnati Reds signed Homer Bailey to a long contract and just got rid of that this year, and he, he kept a touchdown earner on average the whole time and was, besides two no-hitters, was a completely useless pitcher. And then you've got, like, Robinson Canoe who failed a drug test, and... These deals go on and on. You know, some do work, but they're the ones out there that don't work. And, you know, when you're the GM of a baseball team and your job, the money you make that you provide for your family for depends on you making good decisions, you can't help but see that stuff and say, oh, damn, you know, I might need to second guess, you know, before signing this long-term contract. So there is more due diligence and there is a lot of waiting You know, free agents are being signed later, and I I don't think it's collusion. I think it's seeing how the market will play out because when you live in this and work and operate in this hypersensitive arena of contract money, data, things like that, you've got to see how it pans out and how the market unfolds. And oftentimes, you probably just have to wait till the market goes to the very end Because the name of the game is financial value paired with really good performance. So that, for one, I think is why it took so long on ownership. Um, And I don't know if that was the case in with with like the Philadelphia Phillies, but that might have been the case with Bryce Harper. It could have totally been the case with the Phillies. I think the Phillies wanted him from the get-go and made it known, but you know, their final offers may have not presented themselves until the end just because they wanted to see how the market played out because the Philadelphia Phillies are they were they were 80 and 82 last year. They had a phenomenal first half. I believe the Phillies were in first place up until the beginning of August, and I watched Besides the Chicago Cubs, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Los Angeles Angels, those those are the teams that I watch the most. And I knew Phillies. I knew the Phillies were up and coming, but I'm a huge John Cruck fan. He has a really good podcast that he recorded last year. I don't think he does it anymore. But also, John Cruck does the TV play by play for the Philadelphia Phillies, and he is so awesome to hear call a baseball game. Listen, watching John Cruck call a baseball game is just like talking baseball with your dad at home. I absolutely love it. Since Hawk Harrelson's retired, like sort of John Crux my guy. Like I am a Cubs fan, but like my favorite TV guy right now might be John Crux. So I watched a ton of Phillies baseball and a lot of young guys coming up that I really like. You know, a few names that you may have not heard that don't sound familiar, but You want to know, oh, shit, because, you know, we're all going to be watching Phillies baseball way more than we ever have this year because Bryce Harper's on it. And, you know, they've got guys like um, Oduble Herrera. He's their center fielder, man. He got off to a good start last year and then slowed down a little bit. Oduble Herrera is really fun to watch. Uh, They got a lefty named Nick Williams who's an outfielder, man. He almost bats like a left-handed Chris Bryant. I really like Nicky Williams, man. Vince Velasquez. He can strike out a lot of guys. He's a starting pitcher for their team. They've got a reliever who I think might be their closer this whole entire year in Sir Anthony Dominguez, and he didn't start pitching for the Phillies last year, but he got really important maybe like by June, I believe, and he put up excellent numbers. He actually didn't allow an earned run until he faced the Cubs, which is the first Cubs game I ever took my wife to at Wrigley Field which was this past year, man. Phillies have an exciting team. Obviously, everyone's probably heard the name Reese Hoskins. I think Reese Hoskins may have even got MVP votes last year. I'm not 100% sure. But he was like a 34 home run, 96 RBI guy, man. Um, He'll play first base for the Phillies this year. Last year, he was playing in the outfield, but they've kind of redone their lineup with that. And then anyone else I can think of off the top of my head, They've got a second baseman named Cesar Hernandez, a third baseman named Michael Franco. Both those guys are pretty good, man. Last year, they were running Scott Kingery at shortstop. I don't know how he'll play this year, but what I'm getting at is this, man. The Phillies, shit. I really go off on tangents, don't I? Because what I was getting at is the Phillies have a lot to think about because they have built this phenomenal team and now when they're making these big veteran additions they want to be cost efficient with what they spend because they don't want Bryce Harper to be all that they could spend on so I would say a lot of the waiting was on the Philadelphia Phillies because even though that they probably knew no matter what that they would give Bryce whatever the hell he wanted at the same time They wanted to work efficient within those boundaries so they could sign other veterans and keep moving forward. You know, so last year they signed Jake Arrieta, and they were very efficient with him. And then Bryce Harper this year, Bryce Harper they were very efficient with on a 13-year, $330 million contract, which $330 million for a baseball player, that don't sound real efficient when I play for you for, you know, a 1000 bucks a month, you know but that's Bryce Harper's salary averages out to 25.4 million dollars a year. That's his average annual value, is what they call that. And that's not even 10th in all of baseball. So, as odd as this sounds, the 330 million dollars, the Phillies got got a pretty good value on Bryce Harper. But to get back to, you know, why did this take so long? You know, there there was a lot of thought I would say on Bryce Harper's part too. You know Bryce Harper from the family aspect. I do know that Bryce Harper is heavily involved in his church and in his life things center around his family. So it it, it would you could ask any of us where we would go for 330 million dollars and I'll live in Siberia. I'll live in Antarctica for $330 million for 13 years, like whatever. But because, you know, his family is so important to him, it it made sense for Bryce to take as much time as he possibly could, whether that was to January or February or whatever you think. And because this was going to be the only time he's ever a free agent, it makes perfect sense for him to wait so long. And I don't believe that that waiting was out of arrogance Or greed. I believe that waiting was from a 26-year-old man who's only been married for, what, a couple years tops, who's probably going to start a family that really wanted to make the right decision as far as where him and his wife would be for the rest of his baseball career, where his kids would be born and where his kids would go to school and things like that. And I do believe that a lot of that waiting on Bryce Harper did come out of the love of his family and not greed. And if you watched on Saturday, so a couple of days ago, it there was uh, Bryce Harper's introductory press conference with the Philadelphia Phillies, and it was this. Bryce Harper seemed like a completely different person. He seemed very grateful for what he had been given. He seemed very focused. And then the pictures that came out on Sunday of him in Philly's camp, just hanging out and having fun with Gene Segura and stuff like that, giving him like a big, embarrassing hug and just laughing around. It's as if this arrogant Bryce Harper that everyone seemed to think was the reason behind. Him waiting so long to sign and, you know, holding out for all this money that many people do think about. I don't believe that was the case. And I think it's kind of showed up in his first day in camp. And I believe that, you know, the proof's in the pudding when you see his introductory press conference. Because you did get an extremely grateful Bryce Harper. Someone who was very thankful for his family. Very thankful for the Middletons for giving him a chance. Very thankful and in Re- and, and recognizing that he was wanted by this team and that the Philadelphia Phillies could have picked anybody and could have went any route and they picked him and they have this faith and belief in him that they can pair him with the young guys in this rebuild that they've put so much work into and that's not lost on Bryce Harper. And I, I love Bryce Harper's focus in the meeting. I really do. So why did it take so long? It was the Philadelphia Phillies doing their due diligence, making sure that they cared for their rebuild in a financially responsible way, while at the same time Bryce Harper ensuring and really putting time into the thought of saying, is this— Where I want my family to be long term, you know, for the things doing life, you know, sending your kids to school, you know, being in a great environment to, you know, have family over for Thanksgiving and Christmases and stuff like that. And that's really where the length was. And to reiterate it again, I don't think on Bryce Harper's part that him waiting this long was out of any sort of arrogance or greed, man. I think it was um, out of um, thoughtfulness for his family and I, I really think he went about it the right way. Um, but the 13-year deal, you know, I um, it, it it's an interesting contract because it's 13 years, and it's for $300 million, and there is no opt-out in this contract. And this contract does pay Bryce Harper a significant amount of money, but on the outside of this contract, it looks as if Bryce wanted to make as much money as he could But he wanted to sign a contract that baseball fans could love. And oddly enough, at 13 years and $300 million, that sounds like some Mr. Burns greed, you know? But if you kind of dig deep into it and look past the numbers, it sort of, I believe, is a contract that Philadelphia Phillies fans can certainly love and appreciate given the low average annual value and the no opt-out, but I think this is a contract that all baseball fans could respect as well. You know, kind of what I touched on earlier is, you know, baseball fans, they do not love a baseball player's greed. They're much harder on baseball players, obviously because of previous strikes, you know, and and even though 1998 happened with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in the home run chase— There is this player pay perception that has not been erased, and it's based on greed alone, and fans don't have a lot of patience for it. I, I get it, you know. But, you know, if I were to ever say that there was ever a noble $330 million contract, I mean, I think we're looking at the bravest contract of them all. You know, this is a low average annual value. At the beginning of this year, if you were saying to yourself that you could get Bryce Harper for $25 million a year for over 10 years, I think just about, I think people would be super shocked on that. I was shocked that it was $25 million on the average annual salary when Nolan Arenado just signed for 32 and a half. Zach Granke gets paid in the 30s. Mike Trout made like $34 million last year. I don't think that's his average annual value, but I still think Mike Trout's, Is at least 25 on the average annual value, and he signed years ago, kind of just through his like arbitration years. Because Mike Trout will be a free agent in a couple years, but this is a 13 year contract with no opt out, which screams like full commitment. Like, I'm here, no questions asked. And Bryce Harper was he said, Bryce Harper said he asked. For no opt-out. Scott Boris said Bryce asked him for no opt-out. And I believe it because as cutthroat as Scott Boris is, I think he could have got an opt-out if he wanted one. Because if the Phillies didn't sign Bryce Harper, all the entire baseball world, including the Philadelphia fan base more than anyone, would have been so pissed off and looked at this as the biggest failure since like Bill Buckner letting a ball roll through his legs or Steve Bartman like interfering with Moise a loose ball like the, it, this is the type of failure that's the Buffalo Bills losing four Super Bowls in a row if you're the Philadelphia Phillies and don't sign Bryce Harper so if Scott Boris wanted an opt-out hell he probably could have got an opt-out but it seemed that Bryce asked for the opt-out because he wanted it to be um you know like this symbol to players that might come here that says hey man, Philly's such a great place, I basically signed a forever contract that I'll never get out of because I love it so much, right? It's In a sense, it shows dedication to the franchise. So this one symbol of Bryce's 13-year contract shows his dedication to the franchise, and that dedication stems from the relationship he's built in the offseason with the Philadelphia Phillies' management and ownership. And this sends a message to future free agents that – Philadelphia is a great place to be, and it's the real deal. And also, Bryce taking, he got his $330 million. We all thought that's probably what he would get, something close to it, but more like on the 8- to 10-year range, right? We didn't really think he was going to get have to sign up for 13 years for $330 million, but there's a pretty decent chance that that was by design. So the average annual salary of his— in relations to the luxury tax, only hits the yearly Phillies payroll by $25 million, which allows Philly to, hell, if they wanted to make a run at Mike Trout, if he ever becomes a free agent, which I don't think will ever happen, but if he does and and he doesn't reach an extension agreement with the Angels, the Phillies could legit make a run at him, and the Phillies— have Bryce Harper and the Phillies are only going to make more money over the next 13 years and in no way shape or form does it look like Bryce Harper's contract is going to paralyze this organization into being able to do nothing because it all seems pretty affordable which sort of goes back to what I said about it. I just don't think that Bryce Harper's contract is one that's based at a greed you know it seems like a pretty respectable deal if you were going to be honest and say, hey, man, like I'm the best, I'm the biggest baseball superstar in all of baseball, not from a skill level per se, but from a, like a media level, like a marketing popularity level, and I'm the biggest. So, yes, I do want my money, but it's, I mean, Bryce Harper sort of kind of gave back to the Phillies in a sense by, you know, signing the 13 years for 330 instead of pressuring them for 10 years. At $330 million, because the team's not gonna be crippled, they're still gonna be able to add, which sort of lends to what Bryce Harper said this whole time of, hey, I just care about winning, man. And and that's it. It's it's kinda played out that way. But to sort of kind of touch back and circle around like that no opt out, I think him having no opt-out was a symbol to other players to get them to come here. But the reason why I want to bring it up again is because I think this no opt-out sort of of says that there's a personal goal here, too, within Bryce Harper. This personal goal of discomfort, of acknowledging that the struggle and hardship will be there, but to say that I want to be the most driven baseball player there is, and that as a player, I, being Bryce Harper— can be in the face at the very beginning of this huge goal and not give up even if it looks possible and this no opt-out is essentially his way of putting that goal on paper as this like outward action right which can be game-changing on a personal level for anybody including Bryce Harper in this particular situation it's sort of like writing your goals out you know It's like, you know, did Bryce Harper need to do this to be the most driven baseball player ever? I mean, I don't think he needed to, but holding yourself accountable by a contract and doing something physical, like putting your name on this 13-year contract that has no opt-out, that sort of life-changing event pushes a human being even further to do things, you know, like he didn't have to sign his goal on a piece of paper, but he did it anyway as a start of turning himself, you know, even further into this player that wants to win more than anyone and be driven more than anyone. You know, you can only do things like that by doing something drastic and the no opt out kind of sort of speaks to that, you know, and you know, like I, I compare it to this man in my own house, you know, like. I kind of, you know, when the hot when when the New Year's hit, right? I threw out all my fruit by the foot and star crunches and toaster strudels because I said to myself, I need to eat less sugar. Did I need to throw those things out to like not be unhealthy? Probably. Probably, actually, in my case, because I could eat a whole box of toaster strudels a day. But in the sense, this was like Bryce Harper cleaning out his fridge and saying, hey, man, let's get all these distractions and all this stuff out of the way. I'm here, and I want to make this huge statement that everyone knows it. So, yeah, throw the sugar out, my man. We're playing big baseball, and this is the deal, dude. Um, last thing to touch on. Why did he not sign with, with the Los Angeles Dodgers? The Dodgers were going to pay him $42 million a year over four years, right? That's a, that's a high average annual value, a great deal to go play in Hollywood. But at the end of the day, Bryce Harper didn't want to turn to Mike Mustakas, man. It was, what, three years ago that Mike Mustakas. Um, set like the all-time Royals record for home runs. And then the next year, he turned down a $17 million qualifying offer and then ended up signing for $6 million. Baseball economics are super weird, especially when it comes to advanced data. So it was super important for Bryce to take care of his family. And I think that Bryce was able to do that um, and not have to sign in Hollywood, which also kind of tells me to believe that he might have been more comfortable rejecting like the LA Dodgers offer because Bryce Harper in his head, more likely than not, is going to be perfectly healthy when he's 30 years old, would be able to sign another free agent contract and make a significant amount of money because from a marketing standpoint, he's such a huge guy. But I do think that part of him signing with the Philadelphia Phillies is him wanting to carve his own path. And in that, you know, Bryce isn't wanting to ride the coattails of a team and a franchise that's already historically – a top-tier team like the Dodgers, like the Cubs, like the Cardinals, like the Yankees, right? And with and that's no disrespect to Philadelphia Phillies, but the four teams I just named, they're not as popular, not as historic as the Phillies. You have to understand that. What Bryce Harper has a chance to do here is take this big market team and with Bryce Harper and what ownership like Matt Clintack and John Middleton have done is with Bryce Harper and this whole team that they've built – Philadelphia now has the chance to catapult themselves to historically remembered levels to really do some damage in the postseason and this team be a part of winning memorable postseason moments and possibly escalate themselves to historically great places to play, places that really good Major League Baseball players will want to go to. And Philadelphia. Is entering this new age where they can be catapulted with the likes of the Yankees and the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Dodgers of places that are great to play and places that are great to watch if you're a fan. And if that can be done sort of on Bryce Harper's watch, that's phenomenal for Bryce Harper's legacy because he's creating his own path, you know. If LeBron James. Wanted to be just historically great and remembered in the easiest way possible, right out of the gate, he would have left Cleveland and just went straight to the Lakers. But he came back to Cleveland because there is so much. There's so much love and so much. It's it's about the fight, you know, and there's a lot to be had. To put yourself in a situation that's not the easiest and to come out successful like LeBron winning a title with Cleveland or like Bryce not taking this really expensive four-year deal with the Dodgers and saying hey I'm gonna carve my own path in Philly and a lot of major leaguers they might put Philly on their no trade clause or casual baseball fans might not want to watch Philly baseball because they want to watch the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Cubs on prime time right well Maybe I go to Philly and together we create this prime time powerhouse that can now be the Philadelphia Phillies. And maybe when Bryce Harper's 13-year contract is over, the public and Major League Baseball players are looking at Philly in the same category as the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the San Francisco Giants. And now Philly becomes this even better big market team and I could see it and I love the fact that that's a great reason that Bryce could have went to Philly was to carve his own path. I really dig it. All right guys, very last segment of today's podcast, one in which I'm super excited about. Listen, if you've never taken the opportunity to do so, you should go to Twitter and if you're not on Twitter a lot, you should get on Twitter a lot and just go over and hang out on Jose Canseco's timeline for a little bit. Holy crap, Jose Canseco is on a whole nother level. I I don't even know what to say about it. So we're just gonna start reading, right? So this segment, brand new segment, we're gonna have this segment every week. Actually, this will be our first weekly segment, and it's called Keeping Up With Jose. And it's solely around Jose Canseco's Twitter. Okay. So what I'm going to do is this. We're going to read some Jose Canseco tweets. I've got two of them that I want to unpack a little bit. And that's how we're going to close out the show. So first and foremost, this is Jose Canseco tweet number one on the Greatest Show on Dirt's newest segment, Keeping Up with Jose. Time travel puts 42,651 pounds of pressure on the human skeletal structure. Can you detach the brain from the body and equalize the pressure? It could be done. That's Jose Canseco's tweet. That's it. His tweet, again, Jose Canseco's tweet. Time travel puts 42,651 pounds of pressure on the human skeletal structure. Can you detach the brain from the body? and equalize the pressure, it could be done. That's all one sentence, no punctuation, besides four dots after, after he writes 42,000 pounds of pressure on the human skeletal structure, he puts in four dots like he's thinking but it's hard for me to believe as Jose Canseco typed this tweet that he was thinking anything. What in the shit? Holy crap. Okay, first starters, first starters, we're talking about time travel here, right? I'm all in. On time travel, my favorite movie is Back to the Future. I could watch it over and over again. Back to the Future, to me, is an electric chair movie. If you're about to give me the electric chair and you're like, pick your last meal and pick your last movie, Back to the Future would probably be my movie, that or Tombstone. But I'm telling you this, man. If time travel, if time travel needs a guinea pig to try to detach the brain from the body, To make time travel happen, I'd seriously consider being the Neil Armstrong of time travel and just travel back, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of years to, you know, maybe see if aliens really did build the pyramids, you know? To have my brain detached from my body, I'd be like Krang on the old Ninja Turtles cartoon, so shit— I'd carry my brain in my fanny pack. It would be amazing. I would do it because think if you could travel anywhere, besides the fact that you could get Gray's Almanac, Sports Almanac, and just bet on any sports you want, dude, you could just go anywhere in time. Like, my thing is is I would take all the money that I have now because I make all this money a year, and I would go back to like 1950 where the yearly salary was like $5,000 a year, and I would just be rich Or I'd go to, like, the 70s and just cruise muscle cars around everywhere. Like, I'd have, like, a 69 Chevelle just ripping ass everywhere I go doing burnouts and just getting after it. It could be amazing. Who would not want a time machine? So many reasons to want a time machine besides cruising muscle cars. Like, maybe I'd go hang out with Jesus. But that'd be pretty fun, you know, just figure out, was this guy really perfect? Did he ever sin, or did he maybe take a lover that no one knows about? I don't know, but I'd like to find out. And, buddy, I would know the secrets of everything. Plus, I mean, dude, I'd put a lot of money on the 2016 Cubs, man, just to get rich, dude, because absolutely what I would do. Or, like, the Miracle Mets? Yeah, then we're in it, man. Um, But, you know, we're talking about time travel here. Um, Wow. Okay. Um, what's interesting about this tweet though, man, is he, he, he specifically says time travel puts 42,651 pounds of pressure on the human skeletal structure. That sounds to me like a pretty exact number. Like how the hell did he come up with this? Like part of me wonders, like, is he Nikola Tesla you know, Tesla, the guy who created the AC power supply system, you realize that Thomas Edison told Nikola Tesla that his his theories and his thought for making AC power supply work, it was impossible, that it wouldn't work and you should just quit now and I'm not going to fund you, right? Because I'm sitting here right now and I'm reading Jose Canseco's tweet that subsequently says, can you detach the brain from the body? And I'm saying... Well, that's impossible. Just like Edison told Tesla, it's impossible. And guess what? We got power grids of alternating current. All right, <laughs> that really happened. So I'm thinking to myself right now, like, am am I Thomas Edison? And is Jose Canseco Nikola Tesla, who's about to detach the brain from the body and equalize the pressure? I'm not too sure, like, what he's... like. What he wanting to equalize the pressure of? Like he uses these words, equalize the pressure. Like that. Honestly, truth be told, that this this does not sound like this came from Jose Canseco. Like this sounds like he's been in a really deep Wikipedia rabbit hole, which I love to do, and I quite often do when I'm at work. And I frequently use Wikipedia to sound way smarter than what I am. Like when I'm looking up black holes, right? Like. Because, you know, I'm I'm guessing that this isn't the same guy who's using equalize the pressure to, you know, explain the physics that occurred when the baseball bounced off his head and went over the fence. You know, I'm ready to put tinfoil on my head to keep the aliens out. And I, I mean, I don't know what he's trying to equalize the pressure of here. Maybe the blood as it splatters out of your head because you're trying to attach it to like somewhere else on your body. These are really really weird things, equalize the pressure on the human skeletal structure. He wants to equalize the pressure of time travel on the human body. But somehow that means I need to detach the brain from the human body. What am I going to do with the brain then? I guess put it in my fanny pack. I'm not really too sure. But back to where, listen, I'm going to prove to you right now what a Wikipedia can do. Let, let, let's pretend I said this stuff right now. I'm going to explain to you some stuff, okay? Just listen to my words. These are my words. Water in the liquid state possesses many molecular interactions that broaden the absorption peak in the vapor phase. Isolated water molecules absorb at around 22 gigahertz and causing dielectric heating primarily by absorption of the energy in water. Boom! I'm smart. Just I just said it right there. Did you literally hear the words I said? Dielectric heating primarily by absorption of energy and water. Doesn't that make it sound like I'm smart? What the hell did I just say, right? That could be conversations about, you know, like did, let me ask you this. Those words that I use, did I just describe how to exactly detach the human brain from the body in a sensory deprivation take or Did I just explain to you how your microwave works when you're hungover and you're heating up cherry Pop-Tarts on a Sunday afternoon? That's exactly what I did, my friend. That's it. Wikipedia can make you smart as can be. It's the most amazing thing ever. I'll tell you this. If you've got a presentation to give at work, you don't really quite know what the hell you're saying, just go to Wikipedia, copy and paste some stuff out of it, put it in your report, and people are just going to be like, yeah, no shit. Well, I'm guessing that's what sort of Jose Canseco trying to do here, man. Um, but, you know, my question is, can, you know, f- he he's calculated the pounds of pressure on the human skeletal structure. And this is just all weird stuff, man. All weird stuff. Tweet, tweet number two from Jose Canseco, which builds upon the first tweet, which left us many of questions. <clears throat> Jose's tweet right here. <clears throat> Aliens have been trying to teach us how to time travel, but first we have to change our body composition, which we are not willing to do. We have tried with animals and it has failed. Holy shit. Aliens have been trying to teach us to time travel and we got to change our body composition. Like we have to detach our brains from our body. We're not willing to do it, but he says we've tried on animals and it's failed. Listen, I swear, I swear I saw a UFO above a cornfield in Cardiff, Illinois. I was also picked up by a tornado, but that's neither here nor there. But maybe steroids have given Jose Canseco special access to a special part of his brain to where he can sense alien technology. Like, like listen to this. When I, when I was out of college, right out of college, I used to work in a Verizon cell phone store, dude. And this guy, this truck driver truck driver comes into my store, and he's got an LG flip phone. This is back when flip phones were the deal. And he comes up to me, and he goes, I need a new cell phone battery. And I'm like, okay. I take his cell phone. It's an LG flip phone. I pop open the back, and I look at his battery, and I'm like, sir, your battery's fine. Because when a battery goes bad, the battery will swell up. Your battery's great. He takes me real close to him. He, he, he gets face-to-face face with me real close, like we're about to embrace in a long kiss but he's about to tell me something. He doesn't try to kiss me, but he says, listen, he pulls this tin case, T-I-N, like tin man, this tin case out of his pocket. It's from, it's it's a Cabela's tin case. It says Cabela's on it. got it from like Bass Pro Shop. He opens the case just a little bit and there's a cell phone in there and he says, I keep this cell phone in a case and I only open it to call mercenary this tin case keeps the radio waves from getting into this phone so they can't track me. I didn't even ask him who they was. He wouldn't even let me get that far. The phone that I wanted to replace the battery in th- that I didn't, that's his daily phone. So we had two phones, the secret phone and a tin case that he called Mercenary on. That was his friend. And then he's got this, this phone that he shows me that he just uses on the daily. And he goes, I replace the battery often because that's how they track you. But I've got to have this phone on the daily basis to call in my my workloads for my semi-truck. And I'm like, okay. So I sell him a battery, but I can also see that he changes his phone number about once a month. So he also asked me to change his phone number too because that also is how they track you. And then he starts telling me about chemtrails and he's talking pyramid talk he's talking all of this stuff man he's telling me about how they get you and he's just on another level right and I'm guessing somewhere Jose Canseco has a phone that he uses but then he's got a phone that he keeps locked up in 10 case so they can't track him telling you man this is some serious stuff I'm guessing In the movie Back to the Future where Doc Brown, he slips off the toilet and he hits his head. And he has the epiphany for the flux capacitor. Well, I'm guessing maybe when Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco were ejecting each other in the ass with testosterone at the Oakland Coliseum, maybe Jose was standing on the toilet. And he had his pants down, exposing his ass to Mark McGuire while Mark McGuire shot a needle through it that Jose slipped off that toilet and he hit his head on the toilet roll holder because it was just a small stall. And then he wakes up and he's got a vision of aliens and disconnecting your head from your body and recomposition your body at 42,651 pounds of pressure to make time travel possible. Alien, I'm telling you this, man. If, dude, aliens are talking to Jose Canseco. It's happening right now. I don't know if Jose Canseco, he might be Nikola Tesla. He might be Thomas Edison. He might be the real life version of Doc Brown. Or he might be a mix between Charlie Manson, Jeffrey Dahmer, and that guy that's just cruising around Walmart in an automatic wheelchair, dressed fully in camouflage, with a sleeveless shirt on, just yelling out profanities. And staring at girls' butts. You know? He might be a mix between those three guys. Or he might just be nuts. I don't know, man. That's it. That's the greatest show under Show's wrapped up. 55 minutes. Thanks for listening. We're going to try to record an episode this week, dude. So, obviously, we've been recording once every uh, Monday. We're going to try to record maybe like Wednesday or Thursday this week. Because we're getting into some spring training. And we got a little more stuff to say, man. So, take care. Thanks for listening to the podcast, man. Super, super, super duper. I appreciate you guys saying, oh, shoot, hold on, hold on. Before I stop this podcast, hold that thought. On Twitter, I got the greatest, my favorite, happiest, greatest compliment I've ever gotten on Twitter from a Twitter account devoted to all things baseball, cap, and sports uniform related. Squatcho Spotting at Squatcho Spotty One in San Diego, California. Dude's into or 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 girl, I don't really know. Um is into baseball caps and sports uniform related stuff, man. Huge baseball fan, probably a San Diego Padres fan. Super happy to uh have signed Manny Matrato, man. I, I love baseball hats too, dude. So um shout out to Squatcho Spotting. On Twitter for uh, the hat game for sure, man, because I love hats. I got an Oakland Ace hat on right now. I'm not an Oakland fan, but I love hats. But Squatcho Spotty1 told me on Twitter, told us on Twitter, the greatest show on dirt, that we have quickly worked our way into his podcast rotation. It's the quirky baseball podcast I was looking for, dude. All I wanted in my life was for someone to say that this is a quirky podcast because I wanted to make a baseball cat podcast that was fun and quirky and kind of off the wall. Squatcho Spotty one, thank you, thank you so much for your unbelievably kind—I'm being dead serious too—your your tweet to us. That said, that we've worked our way into your podcast rotation. Thank you so much for putting us in your rotation and having fun with us on our Quirky Podcast. If you listen to this podcast, my man, before I message you, DM me your address, dude, and I'll send you a sticker pack, man. Um, I'll send you some Greatest Show on Dirt stickers, but otherwise, I will send you a, a direct message. I will slide into your DMs with not a promise of anything dirty but just stickers to mail to your house. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone that's listening. Have a phenomenal week. Happy Monday. Pull the fire alarm if you got to, and don't work too hard. Have a great week. Bye.